0: This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California in the city of Tustin. And uh, we are uh, about seven weeks into the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it is uh, Monday, the 11th of May. Uh, This will air on the 13th of May, which is Wednesday, and what I've been doing in the past uh, five or six episodes is giving you the updates and news on the uh, SBA loan programs, the PPP and the EIDL. Uh, we do not have a lot of updates for this week. Now, that does not mean that Monday or Tuesday of this week we won't get updates, and if we do get them, I will report them to you next week, and I'm hoping to be able to do a whole episode on the forgiveness rules, which they were supposed to come out with on April the 27th, but they have not done so yet. And um, so today we've got uh, a dear, dear friend, special guest, very, very timely information, um, in the first part of the show is going to be my good friend Ali Aramshian from, uh, uh, Dental Medical Council and HR for Health. Ali has been the voice of the California Dental Association in helping employers, uh, dental practices, uh, through all of the legal issues. Uh, he started off talking about the Family Leave Acts and then he was talking about bringing employees back. And now we're talking about opening offices here in California, which are, going to start happening shortly, but we're going to talk about what you need to do nationwide to open your dental office, uh, the information you need to disseminate to employees, how you need to talk to employees, and all the issues. So we'll get to Ali real quick here. In a second, let me just give you some information. If you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, I'm at 714-505-9000 uh email me at artwiederman at gmail dot com. I have answered literally hundreds of emails, literally, to all pe- all of you all over the country. I think I'm up to date now as of uh, late last night. And um go on to our partner Decisions in Dentistry uh magazine, which is www.decisionsindentistry.com. dot com. Great clinical content, uh up to date content involving things you need to do regarding reopening your office and COVID-19, and if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, uh, we got you covered, www.adcpa.org, the Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 9,000 dentists. All right, let's get right to my topic because we got a lot of information today. Ali Aramshian is a labor law attorney. Uh, his companies are Medical Dental Counsel as well as HR for Health, which is an amazing human resource company for healthcare practitioners, physicians, dentists, and other healthcare practitioners. Uh, if you do not have your HR house in order, you need to call Ali, plain and simple, At uh, and he'll be giving out his information. And again, we're going to talk about all the things we need to know to open your dental office and deal with employees legally. So, Aliyah Ramshian, good morning and welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management.
1: Hey, good morning, Art. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is definitely a crazy time right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, crazy, insane, wacko, nutso. I don't know what words we can use to describe it. I mean, I know your last six or seven weeks has been like mine. You've been running from webinar to webinar and client to client and, and, um, uh, saving the world one dentist at a time. And that's what we're, we're here. We're here to help the dental profession. That, that's what it's really all about. Isn't it Ollie? It,
1: it, it really is art. I mean, this is the time that this community and all the folks that we know nationwide that we, you know, you and I both serve every single day. This is the, the time that they really Absolutely need us. And, and, and I know people like you and me and, and others of our colleagues have really stepped up to, to help because it's, it's a convoluted mess. I mean, there are so many different rules and there, Congress is passing things that are anything but clear. And you've done a great job on the PPP side of things, um, because you know, it, it's it's just it's just very very difficult, and oh. and it needs to be broken down into simple simple steps.
0: Well, let's do that. Uh, let's get as much information out in the time that we have. Let's start out, Ali. We know that there are many dental offices. Uh, I think about thirty or thirty-five states are either starting to open, have already opened here in California. We got the rules on. Uh, Thursday of last week, as to how we can open, and again, this is a national national podcast. So let's talk in general. Dentists are starting to open their dental offices. Start from the beginning. What do they have to do to protect themselves and legally to to, to get their dental offices open in the right way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so the the like you said, you know, states are taking it at different speeds, but basically. Uh, many, many states, almost almost more than 50% have basically indicated that dentists can resume clinically necessary dental care. And what that means is that, you know, we enter into this second sort of stage, if you will, where, uh, you, you know, dentists want to open up, they want to treat the patients, there is some pent-up demand from patients who haven't been seen, who are looking forward to coming in, uh, you know, whether it's for topical fluoride, for sealants, you know, or you know, some just basic work. But the reality is is that that's, it's not as easy as it was before because the team now, in a lot of ways, doesn't want to come in. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I think the first step, the first step in every single practice has to be to make sure that you have all of your new hire documents uh, in place for your team. Now, as you know, you and I have talked about this. I think dentists today fall into two categories those who terminated their employees, uh, you know, during this crisis and those who simply furloughed them and told them to, you know, that they'll be coming back soon.
0: You, you want to explain the difference between those two terms, Ali, because I think a lot of people don't understand that.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's confusing. The, the term furloughed is really a government term. It's not a term that most states, you know, use or even is really, you know, applicable in, in employment law, but it's a shorthand. That the federal government has used, and basically what that means is that when you furlough somebody, somebody, it means that you have sent them home because there's no work, but that you haven't terminated them. In other words, you absolutely anticipate that as soon as work begins, that uh, uh, or that patients come in, that they will be brought back. Whereas a termination is where you have separated the legal relationship between yourself and that employee. So. They are no longer an employee of the practice. Now, you and I both know that you know, hiring in dentistry is very difficult, and most people terminated with full anticipation that the employees would come back. and And this is where this dichotomy really matters now, because if you terminated your employees, then you need to take all the necessary steps to hire them right back. What that means is that on average, there's 12 to 17 documents uh, per employee that need to be filled out uh, across the country. Uh, and so some states have less, some states have more, but there's on average about 12 to 17. And what that means is that every employee needs to have those documents. Uh, some of them are federal forms, some of them are state forms. They all need to review and sign a new employment manual. Uh, and and those, are, those are the basic things if you've terminated somebody. How, now, Ali, how
0: does a doctor okay. know if he's furloughed or terminated?
1: Well, if you, you know it should be pretty easy to discern because with a termination, you would have had to give them a, a final paycheck, True. A, a potentially paperwork uh, indicating that they've been terminated. Um, there's usually some formal rules that you have to follow state by state to keep it legal. So, so it should be it should be easy now. It, it, the reality is is that if you had a conversation with the employee and you just said, "Look, you know, we're looking to have you back on. Just go home. I'll call you when when this pandemic is over. Maybe you furlough them in that situation." But but here's the best practice art that we're recommending to everyone that even if you haven't terminated, let's say you've just furloughed. As you and I both know, everyone's ignored their HR obligations for years and years. Because everyone, we've been busy, right? We've been busy in our practices. We've been busy growing. We've been focusing on clinical care. Well, this is the time to, you know, make things right and make sure that you've got all of your new hire documents, even for the furloughed employees. Just update their information, get on the right side of compliance. And that way you don't have to think about it for the next 10, 20 years.
0: That that makes that makes a lot of sense, Ali. So when these doctors are opening, I know all these different states are having all kinds of different requirements about, like here in California, it's strongly recommended by the California Department of Public Health that uh, dentists have a minimum of a two week supply of um, PPE and yep. that you have different protection. So so from a standpoint of actually opening the office, what do they need to be thinking about? We talked about the employees. Now, what about the actual opening of the office?
1: Yeah, no, this is a great question, and, and you're right, and, and this is going to be more general recommendations that we are making based on sort of everything we've seen nationwide art, and as you know, you know since your audience is nationwide, there may be specific differences in certain states, and, and we might be speaking too broadly in some areas, but I'll tell you, if you do the following... You're going to be in really, really good shape, and and, and as you and I know, whenever you know, you're in a situation like this, if you take the most stringent rules and you kind of run with those, you're you're going to be better off, of course. So, so first step is having a adequate amount of PPE um, and sanitation supplies, but really we're talking about PPE, and so we think you know a two week supply of the N95 respirators, uh, face shield, goggles. And surgical masks on top of other infection control equipment is probably a smart place to begin. So, so the question typically is, well, what does that mean? A two-week supply does that mean I need to have you know uh, an N95 mask for every patient that my staff mean uh, sees? And and not really. What 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 it really means is this. What we are recommending is that you have uh, at least two N95 masks of uh, per employee for a time for, for at least a week. And so what I mean by that is that they should have one in the morning, one in the evening, uh, they, they or in the afternoon, I should say, that they could use if it gets dirty or, you know, the, the you know, the, the, re- the, you know, the filter portion gets full. Uh, there's ways of dec- decontaminating these masks. And there's a lot of information out there, you know, whether it's dry heat or, you know, other proper ways of decontaminating them. So so I think if you've got, you know, they, they use one in the morning, they put a cloth mask, let's say, in front of it, and then maybe they switch it out and they use one in the afternoon. Um, you know, and having a weak supply so that they, you know, it gets interchanged and be contaminated is probably a good idea. Having face shield, you know, enough supply, you know, for the team so that, you know, if they need to replace them, if they get dirty, um, it can be done, or having the material to quickly wipe them down Same thing with goggles and surgical masks. Um, these are, these are some sort of more basic things. Now, on top of that, uh, you know, even though it's not necessarily mandated art, what we are asking, uh, I think a lot of our clients to do just for the safety of their employees. And I'll talk about why in a second, but the safety of their employees and the patients is to put plexiglass, you know, in their, uh, in, in front of their reception area. Uh, to prevent, you know, the transmission that way, uh, putting uh, plexiglass in between operatories if you're in an open bay type of environment, um, you know, having hand sanitizers on the way in and on the way out of the office and the operatories. Those little things uh, we are recommending, even though really no state has so far mandated it, and OSHA and CDC haven't necessarily mandated you know, things like the, uh, like the plastic.
0: And, and so uh, are you saying maybe also uh, to have masks uh, for the patients outside when they walk into the office and then they're obviously taken out when the dentistry is done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Having extra sets for patients, I think is really, really vital. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, some states require you know their residents to you know wear masks whether they're outdoors or gathering in areas right now, and some states do not and we think having an extra supply available is probably a good idea so that if someone does come into the office without a mask, you're not sending them home, you're just giving them a cloth mask. Um, until, you know, until they get back in.
0: And then also, I mean, I guess, are we taking temperatures and calling patients and asking them questions? I mean, if, God forbid, you know, if someone has symptoms, uh, for COVID 19, a patient or an employee, we can't let them anywhere near that dental office, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If somebody has a, if someone has, you know, symptoms, I mean, they're hot and they have COVID 19, you should not let them anywhere near your office. In fact, you know, you should be contacting their, uh, physician and, uh, their, the local health, uh, you know, organization to determine where the best place for that patient to go is. Uh, but you're right. All patients and team members should be screened before they enter into the office. Um, but, but a lot of states are also recommending that, you know, patients be screened the day before their appointment or a couple of days before through telehealth tools so that you can really kind of ask them the basic questions, you know, have they been around, um, you know, have they uh, been around anybody that's sick? Were they sick themselves? Have they traveled? You know, all those things um, that are sort of basic questions. And there's a really good toolkit put out by the ADA are, that kind of details some of these. Uh, and they have a written questionnaire and they have other things. And so You know, if anybody here has not downloaded that yet, it's a great place to start.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on a little bit um, uh, to patient. I'm sorry, employee communication. So this has been a huge, huge thing that you and I have talked about. And you've only answered four trillion questions from dentists all over the country (laughs) about this. All right. So let's start off with the first question. I'll leave the elephant in the room for the second question. First one is, you know, you, you tell your team, you know, we get the PPP loan. Um, and we're putting people back on payroll or your office is opening. And Mary says, you know, Dr. Aramshian, uh, my, my kids are out of school. I, I can't come back to work until, you know, I, I don't have childcare. What do we do with, what do we do with that employee?
1: Yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is a very common situation right now. As you know, you know, not having childcare, you know, uh, because of the schools and daycares and all the summer activities being canceled around the country, this has become a, a real problem. And and, and so the, the you know we are are really proponents of communication in these tough times because we think that uh, most of our dentists don't want to let go of their employees. They want to, uh, you know, maintain whoever they have. They value their team members, but here's here's the technical sort of answer, if you will. Are if you have work available for an employee uh, because the office is open or patients have come back, and that employee refuses to come to work for for almost any reason, um, you know, childcare is definitely one. You know, as long as if unless it's not a medical reason, for example, they're sick or or whatnot. Uh, they, you know, they are, you, you can terminate them. Uh, you don't necessarily need to keep the job open. But what's happening, I think, is that dentists are realizing that this is a tough time for everybody. And so they value their team members and they're not looking to terminate them. They're being flexible. And I think that is the key is that if you have a key team member who you don't want to lose, uh, and they can't come in, uh, not because they don't want to, but because they have something Difficult preventing them to like childcare. Just try to be as flexible as you can. See if you can find a replacement. Uh, I'm by no means saying it's easy because there's a shortage of hygienists. There's a shortage of good RDAs out there, so it's not easy. But you know, finding temporary replacement or modifying your schedule uh, until things get better or or, or you know, childcare gets resolved is, is probably a good idea.
0: Ali, is there an issue if? I go to Mary and Mary calls me up and says, my kids at home. I can't come in. I'm really nervous about coming to the dental office, but I have other employees who, you know, are coming in and they say, well, now, wait a minute. You let Mary stay home. Now what about me? Is there, have you heard that one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there's definitely risks. There's definitely risks there. Um, the question is, is the tactic that I think you know, the, the employer takes in communication. If it's a, if it's a mandate, you, everybody has to come back or you lose your job, then, then you gotta, you know, bring Mary back too. In your example, <laughs> if, if it's more a one-on-one conversation, and this is what we're recommending artists that you have, you know, you have a dialogue and you ask for volunteers first. Ask for volunteers. See who wants to come in, who doesn't want to come in. And then, you know, don't do it in group settings. Do it a one-on-one. And then, and then for those who don't want to come in, you have conversations, and you really kind of get into the deep, you know, details of why they don't want to come in. Because if it's a fear of the aerosol generation, then I think you can try to alleviate that by saying, "Look, we're going to use rubber dams. We're going to do four-handed dentistry. We have high evacuation suction. We have you know this thing and that thing that you know helps capture the spatter and the aerosol." You know, going into that detail really helps alleviate the stress because you know you've heard me say this a few times art but you know at the end of the day we should be treating our team members during this crisis similar to how we are treating our patients and absolutely. what i mean by that is absolutely yeah what i mean by that is we are doing a ton of social media and other things where we're trying to alleviate fear in our patients to come into the dental practice but we're spending very little time with our teams so so i think you know spending that time in, putting together, you know, a video or putting together a something where you are really talking to the team and saying, look, guys, here's what I'm doing to keep you safe, right? To keep you safe, because I care about all of you. Uh, we'll go a long way.
0: Now, let me let me throw out the elephant in the room. So Susie comes up and says, you know, Dr. Aramshian, you, you know, you know, my husband lost his job and he's out of work and I've got four kids and, uh, you know, I'm making a lot more on unemployment than I was making in your office with the new, you know, $600 a week. And I just, I just don't want to come back. Or I'm really mad that you're putting me back. I, I, there was one story, Ali, of a graphic design firm that had 27 employees, and the woman got on the internet and did a Zoom meeting and was excited, and she got lambasted by her employees. All you're doing is trying to get free rent, and you're trying to screw us. And so, oh, wow. what? what do you, oh, yeah, it was in, it was on the internet. There, there's people that are, they're, you know, they're making. 30% more uh, in some cases. So w- what do we say when, because you've only gotten that question about 7 billion times in the last several <laughs> weeks, right? What What do we say to that employee?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that is, gosh, it is, it is such a difficult, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's such a difficult question and it's such a difficult situation because you know the reality is is that you know this is you know in many ways it's a zero sum game, right? Uh, you know if they don't get a thousand bucks or whatever it is a week, you know from the from the state and federal government, and they get now less working, and they're at in a high risk profession, uh, you know you can't blame them for thinking this way. Here's what here's what we're recommending. You know as I mentioned earlier, if you have a if you have work available. And someone turns you down because in this example, they want to stay on unemployment because they're making more. In those situations, you know, I would spend the time to educate the employee that because you offer them the position and they're turning it down, you have a legal obligation to notify your unemployment, uh, department of your state. Because as you, as many of you know, you're going to get a letter every two weeks asking for data. regarding your employees and regarding the work. Well, in those documents, you have to indicate, you know, who you gave work to and who maybe did not accept. And here's what happens. The unemployment insurance ends for that person because you offer them a position and they turned it down. So employees don't realize that employees don't realize that and they think they can stay on this forever. Now, you now we know the federal $600 that is being provided ends at the end of July. Uh, there is talk. Uh, I don't know if you have heard any updates, Art, but there is talk that they are going to extend it through the end of the year. I, I
0: would suspect in CARES 2.0, which is probably going to become law in the next 30 days to 45 days, I would be really surprised. This government way, way underestimated what uh, the economic impact of this pandemic was.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I
0: think right. they so, will.
1: They, yeah, and so that that's going to be a terrible scenario because you know you're basically looking at these employees wanting to stay on unemployment through the end of the year. Um, you know, assuming assuming that you know you don't notify the state that you offer them a job and they turn them down. But if you do they could easily lose that.
0: So let's let's talk legally protecting from a wrongful termination lawsuit because you know as well as I do, if this is not handled correctly, that's what this could turn into. So, okay, we have the conversation with Susie. We tell her, the, the what are the steps? Do we have to put anything in writing and say, dear Susie, uh, I just want to put in writing that we have offered you to come back to work uh, on uh, May 15th um and here's your job offer, and here it is and please notify us do we have them notify us or do we say susie you've told me verbally that you're not taking this job what What do we tell our folks to do
1: yeah no uh, that's that's exactly right art uh you you know you have the you have the verbal conversation which we're recommending everybody have one on one and then you document it in writing and You do it in an email or, or some other very easily trackable scenario. We're not recommending text messages for things like this, but yes, you know, put in an offer letter. If you're an HR for health customer already, you know, use the offer letter sample that we have in there. Um, if, uh, if, if you are not, uh, or even if you are, you can go to our resources page, uh, at HR for health and there are sample letters that we have drafted for you to use. For your employees and you take those letters, you customize it and then you put it out there and you send it to them and then the employee, you know, must accept or deny. And if they deny, you have them put it in writing and then you have something really good to rely on.
0: Oh, no, yeah, that, that's that's absolutely, absolutely great advice, Ali, because um they, they are, a lot of these people are, unfortunately, they're, they're, they're desperate. And, um, now how about this is one I've gotten a lot. And I want you to comment on this. I've had several doctors call me up and say, cause you know that I am a, um, I'm, I'm like you. I'm a, a JD LLM attorney at law. I mean, I, I have all the yes. degrees <laughs> like you do. You know that, Ollie. I, cause right. I've been, yeah. So, so I get the question. So, okay. So art. So here's the deal. Uh, Susie called me up and she, she had this conversation about the unemployment. And she says, um, you know, I just, I, I really, I can't do this. And she's, and Susie's a rock star, by the way. She's like the best dental employee we've ever had. So doctor says, all right, here's what we're going to do, Susie. I'm going to give you a temporary raise till we open the office to cover the amount that you would have gotten on unemployment. Uh, but I need to put you back on because I got to spend this PPP money. Isn't that kind of dangerous?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It it absolutely, yeah, it absolutely is dangerous. And it's one of those things too that, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, like, you know, this PPP thing is really, really complicated. Oh, yeah. For so many, for yeah, so many think. people. And yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a blessing and it's a disguise. I mean, I, you know, I think you've heard me say this too. It's like, you know, PPP was not meant to save small business, no. right? It was supposed to, um, it, it was, is solely intended to help, um, you know, people, uh, hire their teams back yes. and get them off of unemployment. Exactly. And, and, and that's, um, that's not necessarily in line with, uh, what a lot of our doctors want to do because, right. you know, at the end of the day, right, they're still closed. I mean, right now we're just starting to see that opening, but, um, I think, I think, you know, I think, rewarding some employees and and i'd love to hear your 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 perspective on this Art, i think rewarding some employees uh to come back uh, because they came back they didn't give you trouble they wanted to come back they were excited to come back um is not ever a bad idea whether you use that from your operating account or you use ppp money i'd love your kind of take on that art
0: well, I, I think Ali, I think it's a great idea. I think a retention bonus. I, I mean, there is absolutely fear. This, you know, virtually every one of us in this country has been touched by this virus. You have, you might have, God forbid, a family member. you had it yourself. Uh, you know, somebody, I know several people who have this. It's, it's, it's horrible. It, it, it's horrible. So to come back into a dental office, uh, you know, is, is, got its issues. And we all know that there's no sugarcoating that. Um, And we're waiting for the SBA guidance to see if we're allowed to use some of this PPP money to pay a retention bonus. But you know what I would do is I would, I would find the money, even if it's not part of PPP, even if it's not forgivable, I would find the money. It's not a lot of money, even if it's, $250 $250 or $500 for somebody who's working in your office. That is a, that, that's a lot of money and say, you know what, mm-hmm. Susie, Jane, I'm, I'm just, I'm so blessed that you guys came back with everything that's going on to work with our patients. And and I'm going to offer this to you. Uh, and, but I would say offer it to everybody. Don't just offer it to one or two. Um, and, and, you know, again, whether we get it forgiven and can use it as part of the PPP money, uh maybe god forbid someday the government will tell us how this whole forgiveness thing works and uh uh i can finally give really good advice to people i i've, I've done dozens and dozens of meetings with clients and 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 you know my standard line is I don't know. I have to wait for the guidance, but, but that's, I agree. So, Hey, listen, we got to We got to wrap this thing up. So, um, last comments. And then I want you to give out your contact information because folks, if you don't have your HR house in order, please, please call Ali, call his team. Uh, they've got every single form and every single document that you need, because I'm telling you, labor law lawsuits are brutal. So, Final comments and then give out your information and we'll let you, we'll let you move on to the rest of your day.
1: Thanks, Art. Uh, yeah. So hey, for those of you who are interested in the a rehiring guide, you know, the steps you need to take to bring, um, your employees back and you want it on paper. So it's like a checklist. If you text the word dental 2020, so D E N T A L 2020, if you text that word to the phone number 44222, okay, so 44222, what you'll get is an email from us. Uh, you'll, you'll get a text message back, and then it'll ask for your email, and then you'll get an email from us with uh, the rehiring guide. Plus, you'll get uh, a ton of other resources uh, that we've put out there with no strings attached for dentists nationwide including our resources page that has some really, really great info.
0: And it, um, it does.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and, and then if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, of course, you know, um, our office phone number is area code 925-999-8200. And uh, I'll send all of this to Art, so it's in the show notes. But, but please don't hesitate to reach out. You know, use us as a resource, the our our goal is to give back. We are your servants, and we want to make sure you're all safe and you can get back to work. So, and, so don't hesitate.
0: And I want to thank you, Ali, on behalf of all of our listeners for everything that you have done. I know you've done – have you even kept count of how many webinars you've done? <laughs> I've done about 25. I don't know how you've had to have done more than that. Um, you've done some of mine, uh, and and, and uh, it's it's just great what you're doing uh, you know, it takes a village and, and this is our legacy moment is what I've been saying. So Ali, my good friend, thank you so much for everything that you've done and, and the great information today.
1: Thank you, Art. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, great. And you know, folks, it's always nice to be able to have one of the nation's top authorities on a subject when you're the interviewer and putting on a podcast. And Ali Ramshian is just that. He is always on the cutting edge of what's going on. And uh, again, really, really important information about how to talk to your employees, how to bring them back into your offices now that offices are opening up, and, and also how to open up properly. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing. The money part is really, really important. But the number one issue that, that all of you are going to have to deal with in opening your dental offices is going to be the safety of your patients, the safety of your team and your own safety as the doctors, uh, in, uh, in this very, very different world that we're going to be moving into. But the good news is that many of the states are opening. I think, uh, probably more than half now. Uh, California announced theirs, um, their opening, uh, Procedures, as Ali uh, talked about earlier, uh, and many of my clients are going to be opening their dental offices probably somewhere around the 18th of May, 25th of May, somewhere in that area, and uh, we'll see what happens. So we are very hopeful, and uh, as we've talked about every single week, what you really want to do now, if you're getting close to opening your office is get your people into the office, start planning, start planning what the procedures are going to look like, what you're going to be saying to patients, uh, how your office is going to be configured, getting that PPE equipment, and most importantly, folks, getting a hold of your patients, getting that schedule full, and, and talking your patients into coming into your office and letting them know how safe it is. So, really, really, really important stuff. So, we're going to spend the rest of the show today giving you some updates, not a whole lot of updates. Um, we are still, and again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're recording this on uh, on Mother's Day of uh, 2020. And um, what I'd like to do before I start off is to do a shout out, a personal shout out um one of the things that happened uh, 35 years ago is I decided to marry my wonderful wife Lynn, best decision I ever made, right around Mother's Day. So, we're recording on Sunday night, May 10th. Uh you'll hear this on Wednesday, May 13th. So tomorrow, Monday is May 11th, 2020 and it is uh, my wife Lynn's and my 35th wedding anniversary. So we celebrated uh, Mother's Day and anniversary pretty much today and a little bit of tomorrow. And I just want to tell my wife and my audience, uh, Lynn, I love you very much. It's been a great, great ride. Uh, Couldn't ask for a better friend, partner, mother of my children. I mean, it's just been amazing. And, uh, boy, it's gone by fast, 35 years, so... Thanks a lot, Lynn, for everything that you've done for me and to make my life wonderful every single day. So enough of that. Let's get on to what's going on in uh, in the updates. So we've got three things and updates, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about after we give you the updates, I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about how this thing might be changing a little bit, and really what you need to be thinking about. I know last week we had a great discussion with uh, BJ Coucher and Mark Rosen and Bob Gray from the Academy of Dental CPAs, and a really good back and forth and you know pros and cons about different things. But I, I really want to talk some more about this because this is really important information. But let's get you some of these updates first, ladies and gentlemen. So the first thing I'll talk to you about is we have a proposal that came out yesterday. Um, a bipartisan group of uh, Republican and Democratic Uh, congressmen, congresswomen, uh, have proposed an upgrading to the retention tax credit. Now, if you remember, we haven't talked a lot about that, but the retention tax credit is a credit that you can use if you do not take a PPP loan, and it allows you to take a deduction. I believe it's from March 12th through uh, December 31st uh, to take a tax credit on your payroll tax returns of up to 50% of wages paid to your employees for uh, up to, uh, you know, so that's $5,000 for employees. So let's say that you have a dental practice and you've got seven employees. and uh, And we're gonna get into some of the rules here in a second. But if you qualify and you pay them $70,000, that's a net of $35,000 of a tax credit. And the way the tax credit works is that if you are paying payroll taxes every time you do a payroll, you will be able to reduce your payroll tax deposit by the amount of the credit. And if your payroll tax deposit is uh, – less than the amount of the credit for that particular time period, you can actually file for a credit on a Form 7200, I believe it is. And so the money comes to you pretty quickly. It's most cases not as good as PPP, but I have a situation with a a, uh, a dental group in the Southwest, and I know they listen every week, so they know who they are. And we've been having a major debate about whether to take PPP money. And by the way, if you don't want to take your PPP money and you might want to consider this uh, tax credit, you have technically until the 14th of May, I think they might extend that, but we'll see, to return your PPP money. Because remember, you can't take a PPP loan and the retention tax credit. And their situation is, they're not going to be opening till the beginning of June. And they have a situation where their state is going to only allow them to have capacity of 25 to 50%. And they're in a town that's really not doing well right now. And we won't get into the details. So we're looking at is the retention tax credit actually a better deal? And do we even want to deal with the PPP? Because they may not be getting all the forgiveness. Well, the retention tax credit just got better. So again, the way this works is it's fifty percent of the wages paid up to ten thousand dollars. In the new proposal, they are proposing that that be increased to eighty percent of the wages up to the first fifteen thousand. So it, it, it more than doubles. So for my my doctor that's got seven employees, the maximum credit assuming you pay someone $15,000 during these periods and they qualify. So that would be 12,000 times seven is $84,000 up from 35,000. So it's more than double, like 140% higher. And the proposal says that you can take the PPP and the retention tax credit. However, it says, and this is an article I read, this just came out on the Hill uh, on Saturday is that there's going to be what they call guardrails so that there's no double dipping. What does that mean? I don't know. It's probably going to be part of the CARES 2.0 legislation. And that 2.0 legislation, you're probably not looking at seeing that uh, you know, you've got, uh, the, the, the Democrats want to get going on it right away. The Republicans want to kind of take a look at everything that's happened. And so we'll see, uh, I don't think you see that legislation till June. So if this retention tax credit and you're on the fence and taking it, um, you know, and, and the reason you might consider taking it is let's say your dental office isn't going to open until, you know, you, you, you've gotten your loan, And it's not going to open until, you know, you're seven or eight weeks into your eight week period. It might be a time to think about, well, maybe I give that PPP money back. Maybe it doesn't make sense for me. And those are the conversations that you want to be having with your financial advisor. In most cases, if your dental office is going to open within a week or two, maybe even three weeks of when you're going to get the money, the the PPP financially makes more sense. Than the retention tax credit, but uh, they've kind of sweetened the pot. But you know, again, the biggest frustration that we have, that we at the ADCPA have, that I personally have, I, I can't tell you. I, I probably answered in the last day, day and a half, maybe seventy-five emails and people asking me, well, can I do this and. Uh, I, I'm not going to open my office till May 23rd. I got my money on May 8th. Can I just pay a big bonus on May May 31st? And I said, nah, probably not because they don't want you keeping everybody on unemployment and paying PPP money after that. That's kind of double dipping. So it's just been very frustrating not to have the guidance. We don't have it uh, yet. So that's the retention tax credit. The next thing we've got is the forgiveness deduction, so we talked about this last week, is that uh, uh, the IRS came up with notice uh, 2020-32 basically saying that, oh, all right, you get a $100,000 PPP loan, that loan is forgiven, uh, and if usually when you are forgiven from paying back debt, that's income. It's as if someone gave you the money to pay your debt off, which is what's happening. But the government was very clear in the CARES Act that the forgiveness of this debt is not taxable income. Well, everybody was under the impression that not only was it not taxable income, but that when you wrote the checks for the $100,000 of payroll costs and rent and utilities and interest, that you would be able to write those off on your tax returns. And uh, the IRS, with their notice that came out about a week ago, said, no, you can't. Well, that did not make Congress happy. It did not make a lot of people who took the PPP loan happy. I've had doctors who said to me, you know, Art, I counted on that. Had I known that that was the case, I might not have taken that loan. And that makes sense. You know, you got to you gotta tell us what the rules are, Congress. So uh, what I know from our uh, – my joke is I call her our roving reporter. She's, she's much more than that. The, uh, Megan Mortimer, who's been – my my lifeline to the um, uh, to Congress and what's going on with SBA and, and the changes in the rules, um, you know she's uh, she she was uh, she was telling me that there has been there is definitely bipartisan support. Actually, a bill came out on Wednesday, uh, sponsored by the Senate. Uh, I believe it's Senator Grassley from Iowa. If I got that right, uh, if I didn't, I'll probably get some emails from Iowa uh, that I got it wrong. But uh, the bipartisan committee basically went back to the IRS, said, "You know what guys, we don't like this. Go look at it again." And if the IRS and the IRS says, we'll take it under advisement. you know, The IRS doesn't like being told what to do. Uh, if the IRS doesn't reverse the uh, notice and the ruling, uh, it's more than likely from what I understand, uh, that in CARES 2.0, which will be June June-ish, if you will, Uh, that that will be reversed and uh, it will be deductible. So that's the second update we have. Uh, The third update we have is an article that was in the Washington Post, uh, I think, late last week. And what they said was is that it, it came from a source that was not able to speak on the record, I believe is what the source said, but they are limiting the EIDL loans. Remember, the EIDL loans are not the PPP. These are the ones you applied for through the SBA. Uh, maximum of $2 million, 30-year payback, 3.75%, no prepayment penalty and no fees. Uh, and you use it for working capital. Can't use it for refinancing debt, folks. Can't use it for capital expansion. You use it for paying your lab bill, paying your supplies, probably paying your – your your um. Your employees after you finish using the PPP money, if you do get that. So, this program has also been absolutely decimated as far as the, the subscription and the number of people that want money. And so, an unofficial uh, report out of the SBA, this is not official, says that they are now limiting the amount of PPP, I'm sorry, of EIDL loans uh, to a maximum of $150,000. Now, that doesn't mean that you might not get a bigger one because maybe you were in the pipeline earlier. But that's kind of what they're what they're telling us. And the fourth thing I'm going to tell you, which is going to lead into the rest of our conversation for the rest of our time today, is that today, actually, I'm sorry, yesterday, uh, we got a report uh, as to how much money had been spent. Now we got a report last week, I think, back on the fifth. I have to go back and check. So on the 5th of May, $175 billion out of the $310 billion that was appropriated in the second round of the payroll protection program uh, that had already been spoken for. So about five days after that, uh, we got a new report and there's only been only (laughs) it's chump change. It's monopoly money, folks it went from 175 billion to 188 billion and i think that which was very slow we all predicted um that uh, uh that this money was going to be gone in a couple of days that's what everyone was telling us well i think some people might be souring a little bit on the payroll protection program the money hasn't gotten out as quickly uh the government hasn't given us the rules and, and this will lead me into the rest of my conversation with you today. So let, let's go back. Let's go back to March 15th, March 16th. Let's even go back further because I think the United States government had a pretty good idea that this thing was coming to our borders, you know, in February and they started already thinking about the CARES Act and and a stimulus package if the um you know if the pandemic hit the united states which uh, obviously we we know it did and so horribly horribly 78,000 people as of tonight have lost their lives uh we're over 4 million people in on the planet that are um that have been infected by covid-19 and we're opening the country up and we're already hearing stories of uh You know, that some places are spiking again. So this thing is not going away anytime soon. So let's go back to the PPP and why, what they did and why they did it. They said, you know what? Here's the deal. We want you to take this money, take this loan. We want you to pay your employees for eight weeks. We want you to take them immediately, immediately off of unemployment. And we want you to pay them and that eight weeks from when you get this money, Uh, everything's going to be fine. We're going to be opening the government back up. We're going to have this thing under control. We're doing the social distancing. We're doing stay-at-home orders in many states. And back on March 27th, that was the plan. And I think that the government is finally figuring out that it wasn't quite that easy and it wasn't going to be done that quickly. In fact, I think in my opinion that that is, and I was talking to Megan about this the other day and I, and she was kind of saying, yeah, that makes sense. It, is that the reason that the government hasn't come out with the guidance, the SBA guidance of all the rules? What is a full time equivalent employee? How does the 75% test work? What happens if you pay, uh, the employees wages? You know, what happens if you, hold the money for a month and then you pay them a month's salary and they've all been on unemployment. Do we still get credit for that? All these rules, I mean, dozens and dozens of rules. And I think that the reason that they haven't come up with the rules yet is I think the government is going to, and I'm hoping that they're going to be a little bit liberal on this. I mean, again, you know, we, we have a situation where we have all this money and you haven't told us what to do. You haven't told us how do we spend it, uh, what's included in payroll costs. I mean, they've given us some guidance. Um, how does the forgiveness work? And that's the big question. And it's just really frustrating that we can't tell people um, how that works. So I suspect that that's why they've taken so long. And I also suspect that given that people have been talking to their friends, I'm sure All of you might be talking on, um, you know, blogs like Dental Town and, uh, you know, reading Dr. Bicuspid and all the newsletters are out there. My good friend, Brandon Collier, I'll give him a shout out. He's been on top of this. Uh, He's one of the smartest guys in the dental advisory business. You know, all of us have been looking at this thing and just saying, you know, I mean, we're not rushing into it as much anymore. Now they're giving us a better... Uh, employee retention credit and dental offices are taking longer to open. So now you, you know, people are realizing you leave people on unemployment. So, uh, I think that, that you really have to, like we said last week when I was on with BJ and, 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 uh, Bob Gray and Mark Rosen, BJ Coucher, Bob Gray and Mark Rosen. I think you really have to, to think about what your goals in all of this are. So, you know, do we hope and think that if we don't use all this money um, for what it's intended, and, and by the way, let me go back again, and I am sticking to my guns, the purpose of this loan is for you to immediately, as my late mother used to say, immediately, if not sooner, take everybody off of unemployment, put them back on payroll, full payroll, that's what the government wants you to do. That's what this this money is intended to do. You put them back on payroll and you pay them for eight weeks, whether your business is open or not. Now, do we know if you can take this money and maybe wait four weeks until your office opens? My client's office is going to open on June 1st. Today is May the 10th, so they're going to open in three weeks. They might only be opening at... Uh, you know 25 to 50% capacity so if they take the loan um do they just pay their employees and maybe they just pay the people that are working uh this particular group i think has 35 employees it's a pretty big practice and they're probably going to bring back the equivalent of 10 people so we've explained to them that the forgiveness amount that they're going to get could be negligible so are they going to be allowed Maybe they only spend $100,000 of this money and the other two hundred and fifty is their lifeline going forward. Do they spend the rest of this money on wages? I mean, we, we, we've we been talking at the ADCPA that we think, we don't know, but we think that, you know, let's say you spend 100000 out of $250,000 on payroll costs in the eight-week period because that's the only number of people that are working for you because it's a slow opening. People are not coming back to the dental office as fast. In other cases, they will. It depends on the area of the country and how well you've planned for this whole thing. But what if they don't? Do we have a $250,000 loan? Now, are we going to use that for working capital? If we need it, then we got to pay that back in two years. Now, Megan did tell me that... There is talk on the Hill that that two years could be expanded to five years, which would be a lot better, but that has not been done yet. That's probably, probably going to be done as part of the CARES Act 2.0. But if they do that, that's great. But what if they don't? So what if, what if you go ahead and you take this money and you spend a hundred thousand of it and you keep a quarter of a million of it and you put it in your savings? And your practice is really going to take you know three, four, five, six, eight, ten months to come back. I don't know. I'm hoping that it doesn't. Uh, we always you know hope for the you know plan for the worst, hope for the best is the way I've always done my consulting. And and then we spend this money over the next year. Now, starting in six months, we've got to start making payments that amount to something like ten thousand dollars a month. That's a lot of money. Can you afford to do that? So keeping it as working capital is one thing. Maybe you just pay it back. You know, maybe you pay it back. I don't think we're going to be able to pay a lot of bonuses to employees. And again, if you think about it, and a lot of people have asked me, well, you know, I can just hold on to this money and then pay everybody at the end and let them stand on unemployment. I really don't think you're going to be able to do that, folks. Um, you know, and, and the big question that we have is this. You know, you've got this money, you've had it for three weeks, maybe four weeks, and maybe in four weeks we get the guidance. I'm hoping that next week we have guidance that we can talk to you about and we get the money. And now we have four to five weeks to spend it. Is the government going to say, Yeah, if you spent, you didn't spend this money for three weeks because government, you didn't tell me what the rules were? And the government could say, Yeah, you're right. So as long as you spend, as long as you catch up the payroll um, within a week um, of when these uh, guidelines came out and you pay the rest of it, and meet the other rules, 75% of payroll and you know same number of full-time equivalent employees, then you'll be okay. Or they could say, no, 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 no. We told you from day one that we wanted you to put everybody back on payroll. And you said, well, you know, my dental office wasn't open. And there was nothing to do. And my employees were really angry because they were making more on unemployment, we've talked about this, than they would have been in my office. And why shouldn't I let them do that? And the government said, well, that's why we did this whole thing is we didn't want them on there. So let's go back and look at the concept again. You know, if you were to allow your employees to stay on payroll, uh, on unemployment for six weeks... Uh, say you're, you're, um, you know, say you got your money on April 15th and your office doesn't open till June 1. So for six weeks, you just hang on to the money. And then in the sixth week, you bring everybody back. And then the next two weeks to meet your eight week requirement, you pay all the money out to them in, in, in compensation. So now they've gotten six weeks of unemployment from the government and eight weeks of PPP money from the government. And that's 14 weeks. And that's not what they planned on. So. Let's kind of bring this to a conclusion. So if this money is really important to you, that it's going to be your lifeline, because after the eight weeks, there's probably not going to be much more government money. If you think that this money is really important and you really need it to operate your business, then you may consider not just paying whoever you're going to pay when your office opens up and keep the money. I cannot promise you, and I'm not recommending this, but I'm saying people have to do what they have to do. I cannot promise you that if you do that, there will not be penalties. They will not call foul, fraud, whatever it is. Uh, I cannot promise you that. I absolutely cannot promise you that. But whatever is not forgiven is a loan at two, for two years at 1%. So are you willing to take the risk that you're gonna be able to afford six, from, six months from now Large payments. If you take this money and you hang on to it and you use it as working capital, maybe it goes to five years, but at the moment it's two years. Or do you just bite the bullet, pay everybody, use the money, what it's intended for what it's intended to do, get it forgiven and get your employees in the office and start calling people and working on systems and doing what you can do. Again, that's your choice as to what you want to do here. It really is up to what you're looking at. And you've got to plan. As BJ so aptly put it last week when we had our podcast, uh, you have to plan. You have to plan this thing out. What are your goals with this? I mean, if you've got a huge line of credit that you can go interest only on for you know, the foreseeable future, maybe, and 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 you're not going to use this money, and if you pay everybody, you're going to be giving them more money, uh, you know, less money than they'd be on unemployment because the government set this up, folks. We didn't. They did. Uh, and if it doesn't make sense to bring all your people back, maybe this retention tax credit's going to look a little better than it does right now. Uh, maybe, I mean, they're talking about, you know, double. That's what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the government wants you to take this money and they want you to pay your employees as soon as you get it. So a lot of you are getting your money right now. And another thing you might consider doing if you have your money and you're not going to open for a while, you might consider giving it back because you know what? I don't see a huge rush. I got a, a letter from a bank. A client sent me and said, "Art, right, you got to see this. And I, It's a small community bank and the bank said, hey. You know what? We're taking applications. You need a PPP loan? We got it for you, because a lot of the small, a lot of the bigger businesses have already gotten it, or they've given it back, and the smaller businesses are basically saying uh, they're, they're getting their loans. I mean, the the average on this is now dropping down to closer to fifty thousand dollars, which means that a lot of the smaller businesses that didn't get the money are now getting the money. But they're not getting a half a million dollars. They're not getting two million dollars. They're not getting five million dollars so the maximum that you can get on this program is 10 million dollars. So there's more money left. There's apparently as of May 8th, uh, they were 188 billion. So there's another 12. What's that? Uh, uh, 310 minus 188 is uh, what? 122 billion dollars? And uh, there there seems to be money left. It doesn't seem like the pipeline's coming dry. A lot of my dentists, because I beat them over the head, I will take credit for that. A lot of our ADCPA members beat their clients, the 9,000 dentists that we work with across the United States, beat them over the head and said, listen, get your application and get it done now. This money's going to run out. So I think you really need to sit down with your financial advisor. Call someone from the Academy of Dental CPAs. They will walk you through this whole thing. Do I take the loan? Do I not take the loan? Am I going to get an EIDL loan? The EIDL loan, in my opinion, folks, is a great lifeline. 30 years. I mean, your payments will be very small. Use it for working capital. Uh, if you get a decent-sized idle loan, maybe you don't take the PPP loan. But the forgiveness is what everybody has been looking at. So, it's all about planning. And I hope that next week we have the opportunity to talk to you about what the new guidelines are. Um, if we don't, we're going to cover some other topics, um, probably have a consultant on. Or, you know, one of the things I do want to cover is uh, I do have a wonderful uh, clinical psychologist that I've worked with uh who's actually come and lectured for me, who we're gonna have on the program to talk about all the the psychology of all of this. And it's 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 tough. I mean, this is a really, really tough time for everybody. So at at this moment, folks, um, you need to plan. You need to really, really take your head out of the sand and get into your office. And start figuring out what this opening is going to look like because I don't think that there's going to be many dental offices that are going to be closed. Much past the 1st of June, 15th of June at the latest is what I'm hearing. Concentrating on getting your PPP equipment and all the different things that you need. Your protocol and how you're going to talk to patients. I mean, how are patients going to feel? They're, they're not going to know. You know, it, it's an unknown. They're going to walk into a dental office, and they're going to be nervous. Maybe they know somebody who's had COVID-19. Maybe they know somebody who knows somebody who has COVID-19. One of my dearest, dearest friends that I worked with 35, 40 years ago called me up today and said, you know, I'm in the hospital. I've got, I've got COVID-19. It hit me right between the eyes. Um, you know, he lives in the Southwest now, and, and, and it's just really, and I just said, my God, this is horrible. So everybody has been affected by this. So, you know, it it is, again, I'm calling, I'm I'm talking to you today on Mother's Day. This will come out on Wednesday. Um, This will, again, come out on, you know, Wednesday, May the 13th. And uh, take care of your family. Stay safe. Please, please, please. I, I saw a video today on the internet of a group of people who were in a bar in Colorado, and it was like business as usual, and, people were hugging people and people were not six inches away from each other, no less six feet. And, and if we don't continue to practice this social distancing, you know, we're, we're going to overload our hospitals. Uh, we're going to basically just, just beat down our first responders. Uh, we, this is real. This is going to last for six to 12 months. Life is going to change for a while, but if we all do what we have to do, uh, it will end. But if we don't, it's going to go on longer and longer. So that, that's my soapbox for today. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, California, my number is 714 9000 I have answered, uh, well, and, and then gmail.com, Art Wiederman, Art Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at gmail.com. Uh, I answered, uh, so this morning was Mother's Day. And, um, you know, the, the name of the game is you take care of and pamper mom. And we did just that all day long, but mom, uh, I get up early. I got up about six o'clock, uh, my wonderful wife, Lynn, who I was mentioned earlier, she slept in till about, I think she was asleep till about eight 30. I probably answered 75 emails this morning from, from wonderful people, uh, who've not only been on my webinars, I gave four webinars last week to well over 2000 dentists, uh, a, a here in California and, uh, also from the podcast and our, our podcast is blown up. I mean, I, I'm looking at the numbers and thousands and thousands of people are listening. I'm getting emails from all over the country. Thank you so, so much. Um, and so I will continue to answer your questions. I'll do the best I can. I can't give you a full blown consult on an email, but I can give you some ideas and, and, and point you in the direction of our Academy of Dental CPA folks. If you are not working with a dental CPA and you right now are looking at, do I take the idle? Do I take the PPP? How do I spend it? How does the 75% rule work? Please, please, please call one of my, uh, one of my members of the Academy of Dental CPAs at www.adcpa.org and, uh, go on there. If you don't know who to call, send me an email. I'll, respond with a copy to my my friend at the ADCPA and these people are just above and beyond. It was funny BJ made a very very apt comment at the end of our webinar when I asked her what was your last 6 weeks like and she said, you know what art we are the first responders in the financial sector and that is exactly what CPAs have become. I've gotten emails from CPA, from, from dentists who say my CPA doesn't have a clue as to how this works. I've been living this nightmare for seven weeks and it, we are the first responders for financials. And many of you have been so kind with your words and your emails. And thank you very much. We've sent out probably, you know, hundreds of the PPP spreadsheets that have hopefully helped you plan for this thing. So, again, you want to get a hold of me, 714-505-9000, artwiederman at gmail.com. Go on to our great partner, Decisions in Dentistry, www.decisionsindentistry.com. And, uh, you know, subscribe to their magazine, look on their website, great articles, uh, very timely regarding COVID-19. And again, if you're not using a dental-specific CPA, please, please, please. Go on to our website, www.adcpa.org, or email me at artwiederman@gmail.com, and I'll point you in the right direction. So for all of you out there, um, I care deeply about the dental profession. Failure is not an option, folks. We are going to get through this. We're going to come out better on the other side. It's going to be a little bit of a different world, but please say, stay safe take care of your family, take care of your friends, um, you know, and and just really work to get your dental office back. You've worked way too hard to let this take it away from you. So for today, this is it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.